let's dive into week seven. This is week seven of eight of our series on the Beatitudes. Again, the Beatitudes are really eight. Some people say nine. They split one in, at the end into two statements that Jesus made during his marathon sermon, which is the Sermon on the Mount. And as he began to, to teach, he began to make these statements about how he lived and how he wanted us to live. He wants us to live them out. Now, this week is one I think that we misunderstand. And last week I was a little teachy, and I'm probably going to be a little more teachy again, again this week. But it's this one in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. This is out of the NIV. It said, blessed are the peacemakers. And we stumble over this word because I think we interpret it wrong. For they will be called the children of God. I like the way the New Living Translation says it. It says, God blesses those who work for peace. For they will be called the children of God. You see, I read... I think we read this wrong. I think that we read this uh, really from the wrong perspective. I'll explain that to you in a minute. But we're going to do this a little bit different today than I have on the other six. I'm actually going to teach you by asking you three questions. Three questions that if we can answer these three questions, it'll tell us what this means. It'll tell us what we're supposed to be doing. And that first question, and I think should be obvious, is you have to answer this question of what is peace? Is peace just no conflict? Is peace in my life everything perfect? Is peace in the world that there's no guns, no weapons, no bombs, no wars? How do you define what peace is? And you need to know this because in the Bible, the Bible starts and ends with peace. The Bible says in Genesis, in the beginning, when God created the world, created the earth, and created Adam and Eve, the Bible says that Jesus, I mean, that God came down and, and walked through the garden with Adam and Eve. They were at complete peace. They had face-to-face time with God. They had Starbucks hanging out on the patio, looking at God's creation with God the Father. They were at complete peace. But when in, in the end, the Bible says, something showed up and messed it up. When Jesus returns, the Bible says that peace will rule. It literally says in this verse in Isaiah, I want to show this verse to you, in Isaiah 6, it says that, and he will be called, there you go, 11, there we go. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat, and the calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. In other words, things that should not be okay together. They should be, one should be eating the other. That peace will be so much so that even those animals will not be fighting anymore. If you remember in the garden, Adam and Eve lived in peace until what? They messed up. The real biblical, I mean, until sin showed up. Why? Because you need to know this. Sin is a thief of peace anti-God, things against God, things that aren't God, will steal your peace. One of God's names, in fact, is peace. The Jewish people have a bunch of different names that describe different attributes of God. And one of them is, I think it's Jehovah's Shalom, which is, He is my God of, of peace. That the Bible literally calls Him this in Isaiah 9. It says, And He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, He's the everlasting father, but he's also what? Say it with me, the prince of peace. It says that God is 
peace. That it's only through Jesus the possibility that we have to have peace with God. The Bible refers to peace over 400 times in the Old Testament and New Testament. So it's something that God obviously wants us to get, get a, a grasp on. And he's clear, the Bible's clear that he's a God of peace. So this begs the question, if God, our God is the God of peace, then why is there not more peace in the world? If our God is himself peace, why does he not just go peace? You remember the story of Jesus when he was in the boat and the storm came and the disciples were freaking out? What did Jesus say? He stood and said, peace be. He commanded everything to be still according to his peace. And so why, are the, why is there not more peace? Why, why, why the trouble if God is our God and we live on this earth? Then why not more? Well, I think we can probably sum it up in two simple things. There's a real devil who fights peace. Sadly, there are people also who reject peace. So the devil's fighting it. And then we, as God's creation, are saying, no. I, I, that's, we're rejecting God. We're rejecting his peace. The problem has come, I think, that the world has convinced us that this term peacemakers, that they're, they're, not, they're not really tough, that they're sissies, wimps, and pushovers. That when somebody says, I'm, I, I'm here as a peacemaker, we see, if, if you're familiar with the, there's an uh, international organization called the United Nations, and they send out literally what they call the peacemakers. Send them all around the world. Not to be political, but it's just true. We spend billions of dollars on an international organization that's terrible at it. We say, go make peace. And they, they feed people and they do good stuff. But it, it, as, it's, as a mission for peace, they don't make peace. They're, they're terrible at it. Why? Not really the United Nations fault. It's because humans are terrible at it. Because we try to, we try to produce peace, something that we can't. The, uh, one of our founding fathers said this. I was reading this week. I thought it was pretty funny. He said, peace is a glorious brief moment in history where everyone stands around just to reload. That all these moments of peace in history, and I was reading a historian this week because I, I really got curious. And he said as history that these times what we call peace were just or more of the reloading times between war. That those who were going to make not peace just needed to regroup, to reload. And sometimes it was five, six, seven hundred years, but it was always coming. See, I have people tell me in their lives, maybe I'm fighting with my wife or my husband or significant other, or you're fighting with your boss at work, and you do the, well, let's just agree to disagree. We're going to have a ceasefire. You don't say something about me, and I won't say something about you. And somehow now, we say, well, that's how I found peace. I found peace through a ceasefire. That's not peace. That's just the best man can do. Is, is their half of stopping. But you're not controlling somebody on the other hand. I think it's really a false peace, a false peace. Because true peace can only be found, for those of us who know God, where? The Bible says that he, he inserts peace into our life through his son Jesus when we receive it. That it's peace in our heart. The peace in your heart that even when the rest of your, your world, the rest of your life is going to pot, 
Everything you own is broken. Every bank account you have is empty. Every credit card you have is maxed. Every friend you have have left you. Whatever the case may be, the God of peace says you can have peace even when the world is falling around, falling apart around you. Because here's where I think we get it wrong. Peace is not the absence of something. I can have peace because I can know the Prince of Peace. So peace is not the absence of something. something. Peace is the presence of righteousness. It's God showing up. The Bible says that, he, that Jesus is God's son of righteousness. That peace is the presence of righteousness. Peace is not, nor has ever been, if it could be, we wouldn't need Jesus. Peace is not man-made. It can't be. Because if we could make peace, we wouldn't need Jesus. If I could make my life right, holy and pure, where I could now go to God and spend eternity with God, we don't need Jesus. Oh, well, Clint, you're taking this peace thing a bit too far. Well, wouldn't you if it's about your eternity? See, this is not about, we think peace is all about stopping wars and violence and fighting and maybe current, current topics with the, all the crazy attacks going on in big cities in the world where people are just getting knifed for no reason. And we should be stopping those things. But the Bible's peace goes beyond that. See, peace is not man-made, but peace is God-given. Unless God gave it to us, we'd never have it. Because once Adam and Eve blew it in the garden, we were on our own. We were flying solo, and we spent thousands of years under the law trying to figure out how to do it on our own. So if peace is a person in the presence of God, then the next question should be, what is a peacemaker? What, is, what does that mean I really do? If peace can't be made or accomplished by man, then what's a peacemaker? Because peacemakers don't just call a truce. Again, if I as a peacemaker go in between two parties that are fighting and just say, let's stop for a minute. We've stopped fighting, but according to the Bible definition of peace, we don't have peace. Because peace, true peace goes to restoration of heart. True peace goes to restoration of life, to restoring, to forgiveness of sins, to forgive mess, because sin is always going to cause conflict. There's always this, this present righteousness. Um, let me say it this way. There's always going to be an attack on you, on me. And if you've ever noticed, has anybody ever had to break up a fight? Like a, a sure enough, full-on, fisticuff, bloody nose, going at it fight. You get in the middle of it, and a lot of times you're, you end up being the one getting attacked. You end up being the one getting made fun of. You end up being going, why don't you just let them duke it out? Why don't you just, what, are you, you don't like fighting? Well, no, I, I'm, I'm trying to, in our words, make peace. And the Bible says that, that the only one that can truly do that is, is to change hearts. All you're doing is keeping them apart. And the Bible is actually clear, and we'll see this next week in our last one, that the Bible says you will be persecuted when you do what God's asked us to do. And persecution could be all from death all the way to just make fun of you. 
But the Bible says when you are made fun of it, you should count it as a blessing because you will be blessed for those who are persecuted. I want to read this to you. This is out of Matthew chapter 5. This is the message paraphrase version. And I like the way he, he quotes Matthew 5. This is verse 11 and 12. It says, count yourselves blessed every time you put down or throw out those, those who speak lies about you to discredit me. This is Jesus talking. He said, what it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and you've made them uncomfortable. Why? Let's just think back to simple gospel. The Bible says that gospel is light and that light, light drives out all what? Darkness. You ever got close to, close to somebody and you figure out they got an issue and you start talking about it and the closer you get to that issue and you start offering them God's, God's wisdom, they get uncomfortable? That's why. Because now you've got peace trying to come in and push out dis-ease, or the word disease, that's really where it came from. That peace is trying to push that out, God's power, and it gets uncomfortable. Look what the next part of this verse says. It says, you can be glad when that happens, or you can even cheer. For though they don't like it, God says, I do. And I like this, this, this imagery, and he says, and guess what? All of heaven applauds. We did a series, and we do a series called Running with the Giants, and it's based on the thought of that those have gone before us in the Bible and our, our families. I believe the Bible is clear that they're cheering us on, that we're running a race, and they're cheering us on. Come on, Clint, you can do better. Come on, Clint, you can, you can be that peacemaker that not only God but the, all of heaven is applauding when we bring people close to him. You see, a peacemaker does this. Peacemaker plants the seed that produces a result of God, and that is the fruit of righteousness. That is, the fruit of righteousness is simply this. It's my life being seen as right with God. And I can't do that on my own. That's why the Bible says he sends us the prince of peace. James 3.18 says this, that in those who are peacemakers are going to plant seeds, and they're going to reap a harvest. Now, then the question is, what's the harvest? See, we read this in our, our carnal minds, and, and, and some of it sadly may be our, you've been taught wrong in church, and that's, we're going to reap this harvest. In other words, I'm going to sow peace, and I'm going to get stuff. It's not really what it's talking about. It says, I'm going to sow peace, and I'm going to reap a harvest of righteousness. What does that mean? That means that people who don't know God are going to know God. That the, that the people who are in an unrighteous state will be made righteous because you planted the seed of the Prince of Peace in their lives, and now you become a peacemaker. See, the peacemaker, the misnomer is that we have to make something. And you can't make something. You can only plant something. You can't make somebody be at peace. You can give them the one that can bring them peace. And that's why I think we get this, we get this backwards. Righteousness brings peace. Sin causes conflict. It causes conflict between you and God. And if we're really honest, it'll, it causes conflict between you and the people around you. It, it begins to remove you from the Prince of Peace. Notice Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers, which is really what the UN, they're called, the UN peacekeepers. It's the babysitting group of the international community. They go in and say, now you behave, now you be nice, now you don't shoot those people and you don't throw bombs at those people and we'll feed you. 
and they just get in between people. Well, they're not changing heart. They may be feeding, feeding people, and they do a, get, don't get me wrong, they do a lot of good work. Hungry people all over the world eat through the UN. But at the same time, they're not meeting the Prince of Peace. They're staying in the same turmoil, same mess. Because having peace, having peace is a desire. Making peace is a decision. We all have this desire to, to be at peace. That's the drive in us, really. Even for an atheist who says, I don't believe in God, there's something in them trying to find something that calms their soul. And they find it in all kinds of crazy ways. All kinds of crazy other religions, drugs, alcohol, sex, all kinds of stuff to make them feel at peace. But making peace, once you have it, once you know the Prince of Peace, that's a decision. And it's a decision that the Bible is very clear about. You need to be about my business. Remember in the Great, when, in the great Commission, Jesus tells people to go out and do what? Make disciples. You take the peace I've given you and go put some work in and take people with you. That a peacemaker works to lead people to the only one that can bring the situation to a resolution. If I had to sum it up in just a quick phrase, peacemakers take people to the, res to the resolution. The resolution is, the, is a person, the person of Jesus. Because we're trying to solve people's issues and we're trying to do it ourselves and you're just not going to work until you bring God into the mix. You bring Jesus into the mix. Ephesians 2 says, For Christ himself brought peace to us. Then it says in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah says this. It says, You, Lord, give true peace to who? To those who depend on you, who count on you, who trust you. That's where we are. A peacemaker, somebody says, I'm trusting God. I'm following God. He sent his son Jesus. I've got peace. The literal verse in the Bible says, I've got peace that passes understanding. That even when life is crazy, even when everything else, everybody tells me you should be panicking, you should be in turmoil, you should be in fear, but you're not. You go, why? Because the Bible says that he gives me peace when I depend on him. Now this is leading us all to have to make a decision. To have to make a decision. Are we going to lead people? Am I going to do what the Bible says? We said in the Beatitudes that Jesus said all these statements. He wasn't just preaching. He was he was preaching and he was telling people, I'm living these and I expect you to be doing this, right? And we've gone through all these blessed, blessed are, and we've, we've listed them out. If you've missed them, go back online on YouTube, Facebook, or our website. They're all on demand. You can watch them there because they lead up to this week and next week. This week is, are you going to do what he's asked you to do? And from that, the Bible says that you will receive a blessing. It's, it, it leads us to a result. And now the, the third one, and we're going to hang here for a moment, and we probably will get out of here a little early today. Ushers, I want you guys to go ahead and do your thing. Band, you guys can begin to make your way. It leads us to this question. And I'm having them go ahead and transition us back to a worship set for a minute because I want to I want you to focus on you. Husbands, wives, there's somebody, kids around you. 
Just look at the person on your right and say, I'm going to forget about you for a minute. Come on now. Then look at your second choice and say, I've already forgotten about you. All right? It's just, it's just you and God for a minute. We do the lights. If you're at home, just take a deep breath. Because I want you to just to sit and imagine yourself, okay, God, I'm listening. Imagine as if you ask, okay, God, I'm going to ask you a question. And God, I need you to give me an answer. Anybody ever been in that place in your life? God, I, I need an answer. All I'm hearing is static. What do you have for me? See, the Bible's very clear that when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, those people who are peacemakers will get to wear a title that says that I am a child of God. That word child, again, I know this is more teaching than I normally am. If you don't like it, come back next week. I promise I'll, I'll try not to do it. But that word child, I learned that this week. The, in the original text which of the New Testament, which was written in Greek, that word that we translate child doesn't mean, some people translate just to mean a relative of God or an extended family of God. That word translates to, you are the closest thing to me that I have. That my children, Emma and Mabel, they are the closest relatives that we have. That they were our offspring. And the, the word is, you're special. In the, in the Old and New Testaments, in the Jewish tradition, they would receive inheritance based on their order of birth. This word means... You, you're as close to daddy as you can get when it says that they will be called children of God. So it leads us to this question. Who are the peacemakers? Okay, Clint, you told me what peace is. You told me what a peacemaker is. It's somebody who has been given the, the gift of salvation through Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and now they're expected to do something with it. But who qualifies for this? Look what 2 Corinthians says. It says, Through Christ Jesus, God made peace between himself. He brought us closer. He made peace with this division that Adam and Eve caused. He, he bridged that gap. And when he did, we want to stop with salvation. We want to stop and say, Okay, I'm saved I've punched my ticket to heaven, now I can just kind of do what I want. But look what this says. And God gave us, highlighted up here, gave us the, say this in yellow with me, gave us the work. Work. In our society, it's a four-letter word. We ought to put like a W and little dots and asterisks over it. Like we can't say work. And as a pastor, I have pastor friends who, and I get on some of them, some of them sometimes because I'm like we want to present you the, the joyous truth of the gospel that you're saved you can be saved, you're messed no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been no matter who you've been with, what you've smoked what you've drank, the things you've done, the things you thought the Bible is clear that when you believe in Jesus he cleanses you but if you stop there 
it would be the equivalent of last night. We'll take Georgia Vanderbilt. They beat the pants off of them. It was wonderful. But what if Georgia lines up? Their, their kicker's name is Pozlesny. What if he lines up to start the, the game, kick off, and then he kicks it, and then the whole team just stands there? What's going to happen? Ultimately, they're going to lose. Yet we as Christians, trying to, we don't answer this question of who's a peacemaker, and we get excited, and, okay, I can meet Jesus. I met Jesus. My sins are forgiven, and the ball's kicked. And they're like, thank God he kicked the ball. And we just stand around. Yeah, we're coming to church next Sunday. Yeah, we'll be there. Yeah, praise the Father. Praise the Son. He turned graves in the gardens. Woo, King of kings. Yeah. Okay, punch my card, go home. There's still people out there who don't have what you have. And the next Sunday, we come back, tee up the ball. Okay, was, Clint, that was a wonderful message. The best message I've ever heard. I could have amen or something right there. <laughs> we put the ball in tee. I can imagine the coaches on the sideline who probably aren't saying the kindest things when they get angry. We just stand here. We kicked off again. We just stand here. Yeah, I've got salvation. Yeah, I know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Punch my cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I give. Ooh, I give. You, you don't know how I give. Ooh, I give. Oh, yeah, I serve. Yeah, I put meals together for those people. We delivered meals. All good stuff. But you're still standing there. Because the... When we start with salvation and we begin to move, if we don't, we never get to who is a peacemaker. And the Bible says, through Christ who made peace between himself, and he gave us this work of telling everyone about the peace that we can have with him, that God was in Christ making peace between him and the world. And then you skip to the end, it says, God did not hold the world guilty of his sins, which he could have. He gave us something. And he gave us, now he uses this different word, a message of peace. You have a story to tell. If you're standing upright today, breathing, and you showed up this morning, and you're able to log online, you're here. You're on the earth. You have a story to tell. Because this is the truth. If you know Jesus, you are a peacemaker. You have something on the inside of you. Your, your, your bill, the word the Bible uses is the Greek word for this. It's the Greek word for reconcile. And reconcile simply means this. I'm going to take something from you and give you something of equal value. Do you realize the weight of that? God says, I'm going to take all your mess, all your sin, every time you've cursed me, every time you've spoken against me, all the things you've done you're not supposed to. I'm going to take all of that. And it's such a weighty matter. I'm, the only thing I can make you right with is the life of my son. I give you a one for one. I don't think we realize what that weight is. How powerful that is. That you have peace because you're in right standing with God. The Bible again uses this term reconcile. But look again at our beatitude for today. God blesses those who work for peace. And I want everybody in the room to say this with me. I'm going to read it again, and we're going to start at the word for. 
I want you to hear this as you sit there because it's just you and God. Remember, people aren't beside you. It's just you. That God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the Do you realize the power in that? The Bible says that the peace in you, that we have peace with him by being in a right relationship with him. The only way that could happen is peace himself had to come to earth. So when it says, blessed are the peacemakers, this is how I translate it. And I made it personal in the first person. And I want you to do the same. That we have peace with God by being in a right relationship with him. And that translates to this. That I want for you what God gave me. Can you imagine the impact we would have on the city of Sylvania, the county of Scraven, this area, if we walk out that door and go, I just want you to know what I know. I just want you to know that I'm a complete screw-up. I've messed up. Matter of fact, I've messed up so many times I've lost count. And I was able to say to God, God, forgive me. And I had peace. That's a peacemaker. You're not creating anything. You're simply giving them a piece of what God gave you. You're not making anything. You're simply planting in them what God planted in you. A peacemaker. And the Bible says that when you do that, you will wear the title proudly of, I'm a child of God. He's my daddy. And I get to go to him. Even though the world around me is going to pot, I have peace. Why? Because... He's my daddy. Look what 2 Corinthians 5 says. And you can go ahead and stand and we'll close. It says, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that you could be right with God. That's what I want for you. That's what I want. If you're visiting today and you said, Clint, I don't understand all this Jesus thing. The Bible simply says this, that God sent his son to pay the bill that you can't pay. That's the only way our eternity is secure. And you're going somewhere. It's just a matter of where. And it's simple and easy. The Bible says that you believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is. You confess it with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is. And the Bible is very clear. You now have peace. Your eternity is secure. I want that for you. If you're watching online, I want that for you. Not to mark my numbers, not to go, look what we did, not to just pack the place. But to me, the more people are in here, it means the more people plant, planting the seed of peace. There's more people, the Bible says, reaping a harvest of righteousness. What does that mean? That means your aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and children who are far from God are no longer far from God because they have peace in their lives. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads. God, I thank you in Jesus' name that you are, God, our living hope. You're here, you're alive, you're, you're leading us, you're guiding us. For those who don't know you, Father God, that they can simply pray, God, forgive me, I receive you today as my Lord. The Bible says, God, your word says that you're, you're here, that you show up instantly, salvation. For all those us, of us who know salvation, who know the Prince of Peace, God, today, like never before, can we walk out these doors with the simple heart's desire ringing in us, I want for them what you gave me. Let every person we see, I want for them what you gave me. God, let it come alive in our hearts today. We give you all the honor, the glory, 
God, we thank you for being so good to us. God, I thank you for using me, letting me be a part of this team to change Sylvania, to change Scriven County. As a recipient of peace, God, I want for them what you gave me. And I thank you for it now, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.